0: Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. As a bonus for all of our listeners who want to try us out, head over to StickerGiant.com and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from Sticker Giant. Let's get on with the show.
1: How's everybody doing? My name is Samuel Teferi. I'm here with Stickers on the Mic podcast. We have a great guest with us today. We are joined by Betsy from Lady Justice Brewing. How are you doing, Betsy?
2: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for joining me on my very first podcast.
2: Yeah, I'm excited.
1: I'm excited that it's about beer. Yes. I like beer, and it's almost the weekend, so it's the perfect time to talk about beer, right? Perfect time. It is. So, Betsy, you're making um, a big impact here in the brewery industry, a lot of of great things. First off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where are you from, um, and kind of what is your background like?
2: Sure. I am from St. Louis, Missouri. Actually, Sorry, yeah. I
1: had to cut you off. Me too.
2: Really? Yep. Where'd you go to high school?
1: Parkway Central. Oh,
2: shut up. Uh-huh. No way. Yep. I'm okay, I went kid. to Clayton, but I grew up in Parkway. So I was at Parkway Central Junior High.
1: Oh, my god! Until gosh. I was in seventh
2: grade. Get out of here. Right. What year did you graduate?
1: 09. Oh, wow. That's how you said it. Yeah. yeah.
2: No. <laughs> that's hilarious. So my grandparents taught at Parkway Central. They retired long before yeah But yeah, that's wild. Okay. That's so, awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, but I moved to Denver in 2000 to go to university of denver and so i've basically been i left for a couple years to go to graduate school but came right back to denver after that so i've been here uh, like 20-ish years almost which is wild and makes me feel old
1: before colorado was super crowded right yes yeah
2: yes and i I, I love it now but i really loved it then just because there were so few people yeah
1: you know Midwest kids, I mean, it it kind of falls in line because I feel like as growing up in the Midwest, there isn't much for us to do. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, beer culture is, is, is big there. But when mm-hmm. you come to a place like this, you can really dive into that culture and expand it that much more.
2: Totally. Like coming from St. Louis, it was all about the big, you know, it was about Anheuser-Busch.
1: Absolutely. Which yep.
2: for a long time... People were really proud of in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. then they then they got sold to mm-hmm. you know bed. and so it, that sort of changed the perception of beer. I think in St. Louis, I think a lot of people were heartbroken that the family aspect of this huge brewery was lost. Uh, it was in Denver that I learned about craft beer and what mm-hmm. that was really all about. So the first craft beer I ever had, I remember, I was at some house party at the U. And somebody handed me a bottle of, um, it was Breckenridge brewery before mm-hmm. they were yeah. bought out by ABM. Yeah. Um, it was some sort of honey brown ale. And I was honestly like, what is this? This is awful. I don't understand because I was so used to drinking like Bud Light. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but from there on, you know, it turned into fat tire and then, you know, Sierra Nevada pale ale, stuff like that. So, uh, Denver is what introduced me to craft beer, Mm -hmm. on a whole. You know, beer had always kind of been around because of the St. Louis thing, but I didn't really get interested in it or really care about it until until after I moved to Denver. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's awesome. I'm I'm definitely the same way, and uh, you know, sometimes my friends give me a little flack for that. They think you know I've I've changed. Uh (laughs) I'm (laughs) Mister I'm Mister Craft Beer now with my fedora, Uh so that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) But it's awesome. So, you know, you you kind of started on this mission. Through working at a nonprofit, where that's where you met your partners, mm-hmm. and then from there, that was kind of like the spark and the, the birth to all this.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
1: t- tell us a little bit about how that all came together.
2: Yeah. So um, when I came back to Denver after going to graduate school, I, you know, did the thing that every parent is proud of, and I took a volunteer job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and <laughs> but no, I signed yeah. up for AmeriCorps, and so I, I served as an AmeriCorps Vista for two years. And in AmeriCorps, um, the idea is that you you live and you get paid at the same poverty level of the of the city in which you're serving, so that you sort of get an idea of what life is like for people living in poverty, and and how can the work that you do uh, benefit these these um, these communities of people in a way that doesn't feel like a handout. So mm-hmm. it's real, it's real change. It's it's root root causes and stuff like that. So I was I was um, serving in AmeriCorps and there were five AmeriCorps VISTAs in in this office, in this nonprofit that's actually in Arvada. And we served together for two years and it was during the recession and so much of our time was spent trying to fundraise and it was really hard to do during the recession. Mm-hmm. Nobody had money and yep. if they had money, they they weren't giving it to us. And grants were drying up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really hard to People be were a struggling nonprofit. to pay their bills. Yeah, you know, It was totally. a
1: tough time, I remember.
2: Yeah. And so uh, we would go out for drinks afterwards. We'd go to Vine Street pub at seventeenth and Vine in Denver. It's mm-hmm. our favorite place. And we would uh, just drink we would just drink a lot of beer that we couldn't afford. <laughs> and just uh, The finer things in yeah. life, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we were we would just we would just drink and lament over how hard it was to um, fundraise for something that was really so cool. The organization that we were working for was doing really cool work, and if there was money to give, like it would be so easy to pour money into what um, what this org was doing. and so somebody had said, I think we think it was Jen had said one of the other vistas, you know, I wish my beer money. you know, I wish the money that we were spending here at Vine Street tonight could just just go do this. and mm-hmm. so uh, I didn't think much of it at all. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, look at all these people in this place spending all this money on here. Right. Uh, so we finished up our uh, AmeriCorps service. Um, Kate, who is who is the other co-founder. So there's Kate Power, Jen Cuesta, and myself. Kate and Jen both left Denver to go to law school. And wow. so while Kate was in law school, she had a business law class and had to come up with a business plan as part of the class, and so she She called Jen and I, and she was like, hey, do you mind if I use that beer idea? And I was like, I guess. I had barely remembered that this was a thing, right? So I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah, whatever that thing was. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, (laughs) And then a few months later, she was like, this has gotten so much great feedback. I actually think this is something we can do if we're serious about it. And so that sort of started it. Kate and Jen both graduated from law school and moved back in 2014 and we basically hit the ground running from that point on. Um we were we spent a year developing recipes, we spent a year um, coming up with our fundraising plan, and we just brew we were homebrewers. We had all homebrewed That's beforehand. Awesome. Yeah. So we we knew we liked beer. We definitely knew how to drink it and we were pretty okay at brewing it. Yeah. And so we just took um, every single day that we had free and we just we just started doing started doing beer. And so we worked on that and then officially opened for business in August of 2016. That is amazing. Yeah.
1: So it started off as a fun conversation at the bar, mm-hmm. turned into a school assignment, mm-hmm. then turned into a full-functioning business. Yeah. That is incredible.
2: Yeah, it's a little <laughs> wild to think that that actually when happened. You put, when you put yeah. it together like that, yeah. right?
1: And, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it makes sense because... Uh, I've, you know, talked to a few people who like to homebrew as well, and they always remember when they first started because they say Mm -hmm. there's no better satisfaction than when you get that first brew and you're like, I made this. And then you start to share with people and they enjoy what you made. Mm -hmm. And it's a feeling that you just want to continue to grow and grow and grow. And then eventually you have brick walls around you. Right.
2: (laughs) And it's, I mean, totally. And I remember, I remember the first batch of beer I ever brewed Mm -hmm. and it was terrible. It was totally awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's just fun to think, like, all right, you can go from, from, just trying this thing out because it sounds cool mm-hmm. to, um, being able to put in, being able to put in the hours to make it, make it something you're proud of. It's yeah. is really cool. And home brewers do that just as much as any professional brewer. And that's, I think, that's why I really yeah. love beers because you can, do the same process on a small small scale as people are doing on a large scale and get and get the same satisfaction out of it.
0: That is
1: amazing. I yeah. mean, you you definitely manifested your dream mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, and and Lady Justice Brewing. Now it's all come together, and the concept of Lady Justice is it is all female ran. It benefits the uh, female community of people mm-hmm. that want to um, come up in the world. Like, tell us about how how that all comes together. Because I know that you sure. guys are not really a, a all for profit brewery. Right. You donate a lot, which is awesome. Yeah. And so. Yeah. How's the kind of yeah, how how that all came about.
2: Our our mission is to um donate 100% of profits over cost mm-hmm. to Colorado organizations that support women and girls. That's awesome. So that's our company's mission. Um so we are fully philanthropic and we give money away in a few we're trying we've been trying out a few different things, but basically when we started We started with $20,000. So we had enough for some small brew equipment and a tiny, tiny space. Mm -hmm. We started in a 300 square foot room that was inside of this like abandoned car garage, right? Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't open up a tap room because like five people could fit into our space. So we did a community supported brewing model. So we basically uh-huh. stole the CSA model, which a lot of people in Colorado are familiar with. But you basically buy into a share of a farm, mm-hmm. and you get what's reaped of you know of that harvest. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, well, what if we tried something like that with beer? And we're in Denver; people sort of get that, and uh, and it totally worked. And so what we did for our first two years of operation was basically take take out all the Money f- that we needed to brew the beer from the mm-hmm. from our CSB member sales because mm-hmm. we would uh, we sold the memberships up front so we had all the all money right. to begin with okay so let's brew all the beer give it to um, give it to our members and then everything that's left over we're gonna grant out through a through a granting process so we have we have a a grant form that people can fill out and so we did that for the first two years and then we grew out of that space and so now we're trying this thing where um we have our membership is growing so now we are taking we're deciding on the organizations ahead of time mm-hmm. so we'll pick two or three organizations and say this is what we're giving to you right now yeah. if you want to be a part of this buy a membership and and um, a bunch of bunch of the money from the membership fee that you're paying is going to go directly to these organizations so um so far it's worked out really well that is that's yeah awesome. it's been really fun that's
1: cool. I mean, you're doing what you love and you're giving back so mm-hmm. what better combination than that yeah yeah that's really yeah. really cool so yeah. i mean how so right now you guys are located inside uh factotum brew house mm-hmm. um how did how did that come about how did you get involved with them was it something that you you just kind of sought out and, and you asked can we be in here did they find you guys how did that work?
2: Yeah, so when we were literally like bursting at the seams of our little three hundred square foot office space, and we thought for a little while that maybe we could stay in that building and sort of expand within that building, but we were subletting from a guy who also owned a different. Um, uh, he owned a catering business, and uh, he wasn't. He wasn't quite ready to to give more of that space up, which I totally understand. And uh, so we were like, okay, so we need to find somewhere to go. And we had met Laura and Chris at Factotum when we had first started, like very first. I think we first met them when we were launching our fundraising campaign in 2015. Okay. Laura, who is um, Laura and Chris are brother sister duo, and they're the co co founders of Factotum. And Laura really just wanted to bring women in the brewing community together who were in Denver. So she just had this day at the brewery where um, a bunch of women from the industry came and just hung out, and it was just networking, you know, um, telling our stories and and just getting to know one another. And so that was that was the first time that we had really met um, anybody in the brewing industry, mm-hmm. and so. So that had happened. So we had known Chris and Laura and known factotum for a couple of years. and uh, it was the funniest thing. like we found out we were gonna be without a space um and on like a Monday. And we had spent the week just kind of freaking out, not really sure what we were gonna do and mm-hmm. really thinking through all these options. And I think by that Friday or Saturday, totally out of the blue, got an email from Laura that was like, Hey, I think I heard that maybe you you guys are looking to expand soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever want to share the space with us, like, hey, let's talk about it. And Light because bulb. yeah, because <laughs> uh, just before that had happened, um, two other breweries in Denver had had sort of joined under this alternating proprietorship license, and so it was kind of this new idea where like, oh, maybe two or three breweries could actually be under the same roof and still be legal in the space because the licensure is really- it's interesting. Yeah, mm. there's a lot of-
1: Gray laws here and there. Yes, yeah, so there's a definitely. lot of
2: stuff you have to be able to work around to actually have two functioning breweries under one address. It's interesting, I've never thought yeah. of that before. Yeah, and so it's kind of a headache, and so most people would rather not do that because there's because of the licensure, but- um, Witsend and Strange had figured it out and, and had come together. and so Laura was like, "Oh, maybe somebody could come share space with us." And so she sent us an email, and I was like, "Actually, we're about to be homeless, so yeah, let's talk." And, uh, and it totally worked out. So we moved in there um, uh, almost exactly a year ago. Mm-hmm. We moved in there and have been we run the tap rooms there on Sundays and we brew there during the week, so we have our equipment in there. Um, And so brew during the week, work the tap room on Sundays, and uh, we have usually two or three beers on tap at any given time. And um, we still do our membership, so people come and pick up the pick up the beer from us which is awesome yeah it is awesome so yeah so it was a good year we had a we had a year-long agreement with them and um so that's coming to an end and instead of renewing that agreement we decided that um we're growing fast enough that we're actually going to go look for our own space so look at that there we go the saga continues yeah i have no idea where we're going and i don't know when that's the fun part though we'll be somewhere but we yeah yeah, so, really yeah, so cool. we're right on the edge of, of something new, so we'll see what happens. That is awesome. Yeah. And
1: it's, you know, diving into a business like this, you know, you, you went into it and you found your group while walking through this field, mm-hmm. which is awesome. When you were first starting off, when you guys had, had this idea and you were all thinking about this, did it make you nervous at all as, as an all-female group? hopping into what is such a male-dominated feel? And did you have those feelings of, are there other people like us out there that think the same, that could do the same? What, What were the kind of feelings behind that?
2: So we knew that there weren't many women in the brewing industry at the time when we were first getting started. So in 2014, we could not find a brewery in Colorado that was owned fully by women. Wow. So there were breweries that were like a husband-wife duo or some sort of business partnership. Um, That's a lot of breweries. Yeah, (laughs) there's there's so many breweries in Colorado and there are even more now, but uh, we could not, we tried, we looked, we're like, surely there are breweries out there that are being completely run by women because they're breweries everywhere being completely run by men. So like, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be that far, <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be um, you would think, such a right? novel concept.
1: Like someone's had to think, you yeah. know, a lot of this.
2: So we could, uh, there were a, a few in the country, I think I could count on my hand what we could find of breweries that were owned um, solely by women. And so we, we think we, we're the first fully female founded brewery in Colorado, we think because um, we founded in twenty fourteen since then um as far as I know, there are three of us in Colorado that are fully female owned mm-hmm. um, holidayily Brewing and um uh brewability are both um Owned solely by women. Okay. So we just did a photo shoot together a couple months ago for some like, nice. Denver Life magazine, and it was super fun. Um, yeah. So when we were getting into it, we knew that this was new, but we I don't I don't think I totally understood um, how either offended this would make people or how important it was to people. Like, yeah. Both of those things.
1: Did you feel like people would honestly get offended?
2: When we ve- first started, we had no idea that it would be a thing and so we knew we had something special with um, being a fully female founded brewery brewery and we knew we had something uh, special with the philanthropic piece of it um, just in the fact that we were a social enterprise brewery that was a new idea breweries have always been really philanthropic and super generous with time and money and donations. But what we hadn't seen yet in Colorado was a brewery whose, whose sole mission was to be philanthropic. And, um, when we, when we did our licensure for the state, like we didn't even know if this was going to be legal. So we had to call the state and be like, Hey, can we do a community spreaded brewery Mm -hmm. model? And they were like, honestly, I don't know. Um, just try it out and we'll let you know when you start (laughs) doing something illegal. And so we had a guy at the state who was, um, kind of an ally for us. And when he would hear about stuff that Lady Justice was doing, he would check in and just let us know what we were allowed to do and what we weren't. So um, there was a whole bunch of new stuff bubbling up that people in general seemed to be really excited about. But the thing that a lot of people caught on to was the the female-only piece. Mm -hmm. So any interview that I've done or media attention that we've gotten, the being female-owned seemed to be way more of a an interest point than being philanthropic which i thought was just so funny so oh my god you're a girl yeah exactly (laughs) it's like i don't know i mean the beer this is beer and you can drink it Uh, i made it but like men also make it and you also drink that so what is the big deal yeah but what i also found is um there were a lot of women in the brewing industry or women who wanted to brew who didn't feel like they had the community or the um, support or just the energy to go at it alone. So we got a lot of inspiration from other women who were telling us, like, what you're doing actually is important to us. Mm -hmm. Please don't stop. And so Mm -hmm. we were like, okay, this does mean something. Yeah. So on the other flip side of that is that every once in a while, this still happens today and it will probably happen until the end of time. We'll go to beer festivals and we'll get we'll get guys who usually it's like the Saturday night of the beer festival at like, you know, nine thirty mm-hmm, at night mm-hmm. and they're not afraid to say what they really think. And so we'll get guys a, a lot who who just, just say really stupid stuff. Yeah. They won't they won't try our beer because it's called Lady Justice. <laughs> um and we'll get we'll get guys who are surprised to see us there. Um Always get guys who think we don't know how to tie up a keg, you know, just stuff like that. Like the perception that women, for some reason, because we're women, we just can't do stuff, mm-hmm. which is a problem that we're having. You know, women all over the country, all over the world are talking about this. It's not just a brewing issue, but.
1: But you're still pushing ahead, which is yeah, awesome. we're doing it. Every step of the way. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, speaking of community, um, this was, this was a concept that was really cool that I researched about you guys is the community-supported brewery membership. Mm-hmm. So you know how they say Denver's like the Napa Valley of beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even when I'm used to hearing about memberships and, and things like that, it's usually more associated with wine in my head. I've never mm-hmm. thought about that with beer. So that's really cool. How does that work?
2: Yeah, the membership model was a new-ish idea. Um, we totally stole it from the community-supported agriculture model. Kate had been a CSA member with a farm for years, so it just sort of made sense when we were trying to brainstorm. Okay, we don't have enough room for a tap room. How do we get beer to people? You know, we don't have um, the resources and the money right now to to do any sort of large distribution. We don't have, you know, we just, we have what we have, and, and how can we make this a thing? Um, and so... We we threw around a couple ideas just so you know you can't have a food truck full of beer like we were like what if we did a booze truck and people just came to the park mm, you know? I've never the thought of the state about was that. like no you can't uh, do that <laughs> uh, no, we've asked no a, booze many on times wheels. yeah okay. exactly um, so we uh, we landed on this community supported brewery idea and we basically at first we sold six six months memberships. So people would buy a membership to get six months worth of beer. And in the early days, it was a 22-ounce bomber of beer. And then when we could, we tried really hard every every month to do a 12-ounce bottle of like a test batch that we were working on. So um, for the most part, people got whatever 22 plus 12 is. They got, you know, 44 ounces of beer um, and uh, 34 ounces of beer. Anyway, so... uh, (laughs) Somewhere there, right? (laughs) Lots of beer. uh, And we gave him a sticker. And then we would brew on the... People could come and pick up either Tuesday nights or Sundays. Mm -hmm. And on the Sundays, we would brew whatever they were getting the next month. So, um, So people who came in on whatever it was, the third Sunday of the month, got to see... Um, see what we're making for them the next month. And so they were able to stop by, say hi, learn about the beer, ask questions, and just sort of hang out. So it was naturally this very community-oriented model, and we got to know our members really well. And sometimes they'd bring their kids by or bring their dogs by and just say hi and want to chat about you know, hey, I heard of this really cool nonprofit the other day. I think Lady Justice should give money mm-hmm. to it. So it was really collaborative and really community focused, and it that very quickly became our our intentional like community and our focus on who we wanted to be as a brewery. Yeah, and so we still have the model. We, we have continued it through. We just ended our our um, th- we do three month memberships now, mm-hmm. and we have this cool. Um, crawler machine, uh, from Crawler Nation, also from Longmont, right? Maybe, and maybe, um, maybe so. <laughs> and so, we do it, we do 32 ounce cans now, and people can pick up on whatever Sunday they can come by and get it. And but it's really important to us to keep that, um, that membership model because. Those members are super invested in what we're doing. So mm-hmm. they still come by the tap room. They get a discount on Sundays in the tap room and they'll come and pick up their beer and then they'll sit at the bar and just like hang out for a couple hours and just chat. And so it's, it feels like they're just a, they're just part of the Lady, Lady yeah. Justice family, you know, like it's all community. Yeah, I mean, this so, business is started based yeah. off community, mm-hmm.
1: supported by the community, given mm-hmm. back to the community. I mean, what's, yeah. what is not to love about yeah. this? That is a, uh, that is awesome. And, I mean, you know, speaking of that as well, you guys, I know, give to um, a couple of organizations that I saw. Um, you've got ones like the Queens of Hip Hop. You've mm-hmm. also got Girls Rock Denver, mm-hmm. which are, are organizations that help uplift women, um, both of them focusing on some aspect of music. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was a cool trend. So that's that's something that yeah. I kind of wanted to ask you. Is there a trend there for a reason? Do you Is there someone among the group that has, like, a musical background?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah, so – uh yeah, both Queens of Hip Hop and Girls Rock Denver were our recipients from this last membership round. So okay. we knew that we were going to give them money um, when we were when we put those memberships on sale mm-hmm. to the public. And uh, Girls Rock Denver has been a group that we've had our eye on for a long time. I am a part part-ish time musician and like, so that's my other, other job. And nice. um, I've known about girls rock for a long time. So what they do is they, um, they have a summer camp every summer where girls come together and they get to learn from female musicians and female, um, you know, uh, people who are doing running the sound and, you know, uh, roadies and engineers and all this. So anybody involved, any woman involved in the music industry that, uh, that wants to be a part of this, they come to camp and, um, and these girls get to learn how to be in a band together, which mm-hmm. is more than just learning about music. So they learn music, but they also learn how to, how to, how to be in a group with other people yeah. in a way that's uplifting and how, to, um, how do you be on stage? Because that's really scary to be on stage and to perform. And what does that mean to do that with, with three or four mm-hmm. other girls? And so it it teaches leadership, it teaches um, self-esteem, self-confidence, stuff like that. And so we've always wanted to give to them. So we knew that. And then um, I had met the founder of Queens of Hip Hop and immediately fell in love with what she was doing. So Queens of Hip Hop basically is all about um, cultivating a positive uh, hip hop culture for women. Mm -hmm. And so they do that through music and dance primarily. Um, and so we had found, we, we just knew that we had wanted to support these two organizations. And so we were like, Hey, what if we just made our focus on this round of membership to be all about music? Yeah. And so we just, we just ran with it and it was super fun. Beer and Um, music go great together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) yeah, it was just fun to, to be able to, to focus on something in our labels, which we got through sticker giant. Um, I had a, I have a friend who is a who's an artist. She's an illustrator in um, Brooklyn and I asked her to design our labels. And so she put this like really cool, the label is this really cool um, girl. Do you have it? Oh, I thought you were reaching for it. (laughs) Uh, uh, This really cool uh, all female band um, performing. And so, yeah, so we just had a lot of fun with it. We just totally ran with it and it was, um, yeah, it was fun. So, We'll see the the round that we did before was all about um, uh, community involvement and s- focused around voting rights and community voice, and so the organizations that we supported through that one were were all about getting women and girls involved in yeah. their community either through voting or through we gave we bought civics textbooks for a mm-hmm. for a high school class in Colorado Springs, and so um, so we're. Testing this idea of like, what if we pick a theme, you know, and and see if we can sell memberships based off of this theme to yeah. get different, get different people excited about different aspects, so mm-hmm. that we're not always giving to the same type of organization or that um, that this, we're able to have fun with it. And this
1: is and and these type of proceeds they get donated. This is based solely off the memberships, mm-hmm. and so that's yes. so you guys have so much layers to how to what you donate because, I mean, you have the actual brewery itself that mm-hmm. you're making and, of course, you uh, retain enough to keep the brewery running mm-hmm. but then the profits go to causes and then you have memberships that people are getting an awesome service out of that yeah. but then you're taking those funds and you're putting it towards different causes. It's like right. you, you guys are just have so many layers of giving yeah. which is amazing and, yeah. um, you know, this this brand. I'm sure you guys have had no problem growing this brand but, you know, just like mm-hmm. every brand, you guys have now put it together. Um, you have this logo. You have mm-hmm. this sticker. You've got labels, and since sort of putting um, all of that into a logo and a sticker, how has that worked for you guys? Do you guys now is every person that's coming by they grabbing a sticker? Or are they sticking them mm-hmm. on their cars? Is it is it Have you seen a change at all since sort of unleashing this new branding technique?
2: Yeah. So we um, we started with stickers. From the get-go. I think stickers were our first piece of merch that we bought. And we got them from Sticker Giant. And uh we we just have the coolest logo. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do I with it. I love the, your logo. It the, looks yeah, the, like the Statue yeah.
1: of Liberty, but with the lady holding uh, up your box. So cool. It's classic. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love it.
2: Yeah. And so a friend <laughs> of a friend of Kate's in Maine, because Kate went to law school in Maine, designed this for us, and I just fell in love with it immediately. Um, yeah and it has all these cool colors so we can pull from the colors when we want to do different um, you know whatever when we're doing our labels. I'm like, okay what you know what color should the should the typeface be on on the the beer name? Well this blue in her fist looks really cool so let's use that So um, the only big change that we made the original logo so this is the lady on here is Lady Justice and so if you've ever seen the Lady Justice, statue it's the woman with the she's blindfolded and she has the scales in her hand and okay. up in one hand and a sword down in the other and so the um the person who designed this got rid of the scales in the left hand and put in a beer bottle but she had kept <laughs> the sword the sword of justice uh-huh. and we decided um we had a long talk about it and we decided Let's take the sword out of her hand. Let's not make this a um, a sword of justice thing. Let's just give her a fist. Let's just like you know. Yeah. So um, and so this this logo is just so easy to put on a sticker. It's so easy to put on a label. It jumps out at it. people. People love it. It looks really good in black and white too. Mm-hmm. And so stickers were. Just such an easy way to go. And then when we did our first labels, we went with a white label, white as the background. And we went with the matte finishing, which looked super classy. Right. I really, uh, we really fell in love with that. Because when we do our membership, so we didn't have the budget to be able to make each beer its own label. So we had a general label that we would put on each bottle. And then we would tag, like with an actual paper tag and a stamp. Um, so you know which the, one was which with the wow. beer was, yeah and so yeah so we've always we've always had a great time with um, with the labeling and the marketing of this just because it's um, it's just such a cool logo and it's so it's so easy to slap on a sticker and our members they get their own sticker so they get lady justice brewing like CSB membership sticker that they get to have at the beginning of everything and so um yeah so uh, the labeling and the marketing is always a fun part for me. My undergrad was in digital media, so I I really like looking at this stuff and and playing with it and um yeah. So we'll do stickers forever. Now we do the um now we do what are they? Are they the kiss cut? So yeah, the totally outline. Uh, so. so
1: so you you have your sticker um that is resting on a white background so it helps stack them and so forth or uh-huh. you, or, uh, but you guys also have die cuts as well.
2: Yeah. Okay. We've so done both. Yeah. The
1: die cuts. And that's, and that's, I'm sure that those are the ones that you guys pass out frequently. Yeah. And I'm sure those goes into the uh, membership boxes and so forth. Membership and boxes. Like and we give
2: them away for free in the tap room because yeah. we love anytime. It's, there's been a few times where I've been driving. You have know, you seen travel. it out in the wild? Yeah. I've seen it oh, out in the wild. Nice, we call nice. it Lady J in the wild. We'll snap pictures of <laughs> where we see the sticker at different places. So our members will put them on the back of their car or um, whoever. I, I see it. Somebody sent me a picture or posted on Facebook the other day of their laptop front and front. They have stickers all over the laptop, right? Mm-hmm. But like front and center was the Lady J sticker. And she lives in Dallas. So I was like, hey, that's pretty There cool. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So people will see the stickers out and about and um, always tell us about it because it's exciting to them, too. Yeah. It is.
1: It is. And I mean, you know, your business, your story your sticker. It's more than just a logo. It's a statement. It's a its a mission. Mm-hmm. When people see that, it stands for more than just trying to promote another mm-hmm. beer. Um, and, yeah. I think, and I think that's amazing what what you guys have built here.
2: Yeah. We'll uh, get people who will um, see that logo. This happened the other day. I had a friend text me and be like, I saw somebody wearing a Lady J uh, sweatshirt on an airplane that I was on in like Virginia. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. That's awesome. So
1: other side of the country. Yeah.
2: So anytime that we can, any means that we can use to, to get people excited about lady justice is always Mm -hmm. really good for us. And, and labeling and stickers are such a huge piece of that pie for us. That's amazing. So,
1: I mean, as far as the future of, Lady Justice, do you mm-hmm. do you have anything in mind? I know right now you you guys are probably taking it day by day, just trying to, you know, you have a lot on your plate to deal with. Um, uh-huh. I know the next step is trying to get the your own brick and mortar. Uh-huh. Um, do you have aspirations of trying to go outside of Denver, outside of Colorado?
2: Maybe, yeah. yeah we're um, yeah. So our next step, our immediate next step is to. Um, find our next location Mm -hmm. and have that be a long-term location for us, we're Mm -hmm. hoping. Um, So we're hoping wherever we go next will be where we stick around for a few years. Um, And then so, so from that it's, you know, building our tap room space up a little bit more. So we know we have our members who will come by every week, but um, so we're looking forward to just expanding the community and, you know, getting the foot traffic and all of that. And then after that, you know, maybe a little bit of distribution, um, in Denver, Colorado area. But, you know, we all work full-time jobs outside of this. And so until we get to a point, which I don't think we're too far from, but we're not there yet. But until we get to a point where at least one of us is doing this as their full-time job, mm-hmm. we'll stay, we'll stay pretty local and, and focus on our membership model. That's awesome. And, and yeah. for the
1: guests who are tuning in, um, can you tell us really quick again, uh, where exactly Factotum Brewhouse is so they know where to find you?
2: Yeah, it's the Sunnyside neighborhood of Denver. So we're at 38th and LaPan, which is right uh, just a couple blocks northwest of the i twenty five seventy interchange. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, there you have it, folks. You heard an amazing story here with Betsy from Lady Justice Brewing. Thank you so much for coming here and spending time with us.
2: Yeah, it was fun.
1: I look forward to coming by and trying some of that beer. Heck yeah. <laughs> it's too early to give it to you now. Right. right. Hey. right.
2: Breakfast beer, brunch beer. Is this mic still on? (laughs) 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 Thank you. Take care. You too.
0: That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to stickergiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon podcast to take 20% off your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic.